welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 28th of August 2016, entitled Believe and Be Saved. And the Bible reading is taken from Acts chapter 16, verses 6 to 34. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's precious and holy word this morning. Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 6. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, And from this to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down, spake unto the women which resorted thither. A certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things that were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. She constrained us. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, And he came out the same hour. When her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. The multitude rose up together against them, The magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. When they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. 
keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. They spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in the house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his, straightway. When he had brought them into the house, he set meat before them and rejoiced believing in God with all his house. Father, I thank you this morning, Lord, for this wonderful privilege. Lord, despite all of my weaknesses and failings and shortcomings, to have the privilege of standing in a pulpit that's been dedicated to the preaching of your word, to have your word before us this morning. And Father, we just pray now, Lord, that you would undertake, that you would use thy servant. Lord, you know every heart of every individual under the sound of this sermon today. And Father, we pray that you would do, Lord, as you did for these here, that you would open their hearts, that they might be able to receive and believe the simple truths of the gospel. Father, we pray now that, Lord, as you work in lives, that, Lord, if there's any amongst us that are lost, that they would be this day, that they would be born again and one one into your family. And, Lord, for any Christian here that's, Lord, that's just not experiencing the joy and, Lord, the, the, the walk that they ought to at this time, Draw them to yourself. Remind them what a wonderful, glorious thing that you have done for them. May this day, may their love for you just be freshened and strengthened. For it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. We find here in the beginning of our reading that, well, let me tell you before that, that I go there that, you know, I was praying, not wanting to be morbid, but, you know, you never know when... Uh, when you stand and preach when it's going to be your last sermon. Well, I'm only planning on being gone for three Sundays, but you know, the rapture could take place before I get back. Uh, we're not even promised tomorrow. We never know what the next day is going to hold. And I said, well, Lord, the light of the fact that I'm going to be gone for these next few weeks, what would you have me preach today? And I guess if there's anything, if I ever leave this world that I would want you to remember me by, it's the preaching of a simple gospel message. I'm not here to, to give you any great deep theology this morning, I want to give you the simple gospel and the power that's in the, in the gospel that the Lord Jesus Christ have, have left with us. And as we begin our reading here today, we find that Paul and Silas are beginning actually a, a missionary journey, and they've got this all planned out. They've decided where they're going to go, where the needs are, but God has other ideas. You know, sometimes in our lives, we think that we know where we're going. We think that we've got it all planned out. God has other ideas. You see, I believe with all of my heart, as sure as I'm standing before you this morning, we talked in our Bible study time this morning about the truth. I believe this book contains truth like nothing else in all the world. It is absolute truth. God cannot be anything except absolute truth. And I believe that is a truth that will change any human being's life that will believe it. Our simple thought this morning is believe and be saved. Believe and be saved. And I began to think of these these men as they were heading out. Of course, they had a desire. 
to minister to serve God. But, you know, God actually directed their path to say, guys, hold up a minute. It's not that you're doing something bad. You're going off to serve me. You're going off to give the gospel message to others, but there's a specific place that I want you to go right now. Yes, I know that they all need it, but here's a place. I believe that God directs your paths and my paths as his servants. I believe with all my heart that he can direct our lives into the paths of those that he wants to give this message to, the gospel message, the message that will change their lives. We find that they, they're going through all these things, but God has this specific place, and he's wanting to send them to Macedonia, specific to the, to the city of Philippi. And so we see them get there, and they, they end up there, and as, as they arrive there, the, the first thing that we do is we see a couple of people getting saved. That's exciting. That's encouraging. We find that, first of all, that Lydia, this seller of purple, that she was a lady that happened to be there by the river when they were giving this simple truth. She was a lady of low estate, a lady that, you know, that, that really would have been uh, uh, of no uh, moral outstanding conduct whatsoever in this world. And yet, we find that the simple message, the gospel, changed her life that day. Her actions were bad, but they completely turned around. And the next was this, this damsel, this other lady that was possessed of a demon, and we find that she's cast out. But see, there was a problem there because she was possessed of a demon, but because of her life, we find that there were these others that were making money uh, that off, of, off, of this, off of this lady, and she was a, a way for them to earn a living. And so all of a sudden, when her life is turned around, they've, they've lost the chance to make this money. And so what do they do? They go to the leaders of the city and they, the magistrates and they take them in and say, hey, these two guys are here to do no good for us whatsoever. So they follow the Lord. They go exactly where God sends them to go. And they arrive there and immediately they see these two souls that are saved and want into the kingdom. And that's exciting stuff. The next thing you know, they're before the magistrates, they're before the judges, and what happens to them? Has anybody here ever been flogged before? <laughs> they were beaten. They're literally, they're, 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 their shirts were taken off their back, their clothes were removed, and they were beaten with the stripes across their back. Now, I said this morning in, in, in the Bible study time that I was going to mention some things I've never experienced. I've never experienced a whip across my back but I have seen it. I've seen others where it's been done to them. Thank goodness, not in real life, but I've seen it done. But then that's not where it stops. Then they're cast into prison. They're locked away. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've ever experienced the inside of a jail cell. Uh, you may want to keep that to yourself. But uh, I've, never, I've never been locked away in a, in a prison cell. I've never been locked away, thank goodness, uh, probably not because I didn't deserve it sometimes, but I've never been there, and so I don't really know what that's like. But I have been locked away sort of playtime. You know, it didn't seem too playtime at the time when we were playing playing soldiers when we were in training in the military and whatnot, and, and you'd be captured, you'd be put in this, this small place, and you'd be locked in there, and you couldn't go, you couldn't do anything, and that's a horrible feeling, even when it's not real, and you know that eventually this game's going to come to an end, and you're going to be out of there. It's, it's, it's an awful feeling, but I just want you to realize what's happened here. Two men 
have dedicated themselves to be willing to go wherever in the world to preach the gospel to other people. They're heading out on this missionary journey. And God directs their paths in a direction they hadn't considered. And they follow the Lord and they go exactly where God wants them to be. We find that they get there. They begin sharing that message. And what happens? They see two ladies gloriously saved. But they see the world get pretty upset about it. (laughs) They're not thrilled with the message of the gospel that they've brought to them. And they're not thrilled with the way that message has changed others' lives. And so what's the easiest thing for them to do? Shut them up. Put them away where nobody else can hear them. So they're locked away. And they weren't just put in the cell. The Bible says their feet were put in stocks. They couldn't even move around inside the cell. They were in there to stay where they were put. What happens? (laughs) God sends along an earthquake. (laughs) He sends along an earthquake It starts shaking that old jail and the the locks don't hold it and the doors swing open and the stocks fly off that are holding them in their place. All they had to do was get up and walk out. The jailer was so concerned when it woke him up and he realized that he was almost ready to commit suicide because he did not want to face the consequences of prisoners that had escaped under his watch. It would have been terrible for him. But when Paul and Silas call out from the prison cell, he's shocked (laughs) And he knows, he sees what God has done in their lives. God hadn't done anything in his life yet. It was the testimony of what God had done. You know, what would you probably do if, number one, you were doing something good and got locked up for it? You were doing something that was to help other people, and the people get so upset that they lock you away in a jail you probably wouldn't have been singing praises and praising God and and all these there in the jail cell. But that's what they were doing. That was a testimony. Why? They may not have deserved in this world to be where they were. They were exactly where God wanted them to be. Why? God directed their paths. When they were about to go in another way to serve God, God directed their paths to Macedonia, to the city of Philippi, Down to that river, these ladies get saved. They know that God's still in control. You see, God directed their paths into that jail cell as well. Why? Because there was an old Philippian jailer (laughs) that needed to be saved. Him and his house. They needed to know the Lord Jesus Christ. These services fall in, in the naturalized, boy, boy, this is not what I had planned for my life. I didn't plan up to be locked away in this place and chained down and tied down, but they're praising God. They don't know what God's got in store yet at this point, but they know he's in control. They know where that their life is exactly where God wants it to be, and the circumstances mean nothing. Christians, are you where you want to be today? Or are you where God wants you to be? Lost person. Have you accepted the call of God on your life? Has he brought people into your life just as he did these for these people here? Every one of them. He brought them there so that they could hear the truth and respond to it in the right way. There's a lot of things there, but I want to give you just three truths about what was being preached. The same message that has changed lives then and down through the century. You see, the first thing I want you to realize is that it was the power of God. The power of God to release those men. <laughs> there was absolutely no human being or anything on this earth that had anything to do with them being released from that prison cell. 
But we find that that prison cell is also a type all through Scripture. The Bible tells us about being in the bonds of sin, being in the captivity of Satan himself, that if the gospel be hid, it's hid to them which are blinded, when them which do not believe. I say to you this morning that just as it was the power of God to release those men from that prison cell that morning, it is the power of God to release you today. First of all, to release you from the burden of sin. You know, sin is a horrible, terrible thing, and it's heavy. The psalmist said in Psalm 51, verse 5, he says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. He said, hey, I came into this world a sinner. I was born under sin. Everyone that's born in this sin-cursed world is born under that curse of sin. Isaiah said in Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. You see, the Bible teaches not only are we born in sin, but we naturally continue to seek sin, to follow sin, to live that course with our lives. We're born as sinners. And the natural course, it's not strange. It's the natural course for an individual to take is to continue to seek that sin. Isaiah 64, 6, but we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. What do you say? I'm saying that every human being is under this burden of sin. They're born under the burden of sin. They naturally in the flesh continue under that burden of sin. It's the natural path for everyone to take, and each and every one of us, none of us are different. We're born in sin, we continue in sin, and we are sinners. The Bible isn't hard to understand and believe. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's not a matter of how we match up or weigh up with anybody else. We're born in sin, we continue in sin, we are Sinners, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You see, there's that burden of sin, the power of God that released those men from the bonds they were in in this world. Those bonds, those bonds are no more real than the bonds that holds every sinner under the burden of sin and under the bondage of sin. You see, it's the power of God, the power of the gospel. The power of God is to release you from that burden of sin that you're born with, that you continue with, that you're in today if you haven't been released from, and to release you from the bondage of sin that holds you. You are in captivity of the devil. He has you in the bonds of sin. He doesn't need to put physical chains on you, i got to tell you, we're kidding ourselves and we're kidding the world. If we try to tell anybody that there isn't a, 
an attraction of sin. The things that please the flesh, that please the body, but yet they don't please God. Can you stop and imagine all of our righteousness, everything, the best part of us, the part of us that's right and good, all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. Folks, he's showing us we got, we can't, the devil wants to blind us to the seriousness of sin. You see, the truth is simply this. There's life and there's death. The only life is in God. God created life, and that's where life is. Sin separates you from God. It's not that God wants you to sin. It's not that God wants you out there somewhere. There is no life out there. When sin separates you from life, there's only death. He didn't create death. He created life. Death is the non-existence of life. There is nothing else if you take away the life. When you leave God, when your sin separates you from God, there is no life. There's only death. There's nothing in all this world that's more a matter of life and death than being with God. He just wants you to have life. He wants to give it to you. These men, they're in that prison as they were released by the power of God. They were released from the burden of sin. They were released from the bondage of sin. They were released from physical bondage. God wants to release you from the spiritual bondage that each and every one of us face. Ephesians 2, 2 says, wherein in time past, you walked according to the course of this world. Time past, you followed the course. You followed the path of this world. According to what? According to the prince of the power of the air. Who is the prince of the power of the air? Is Satan himself. In time past, he's talking to the Christian here. Christians, in time past, there was a time when you were walking the path, the course of this world. When you're walking that course, the Bible says that it was walking according to what Satan was directing. According to the prince of the power of the air the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. He's the one that's at work. It's that sin curse that you're born with, that you continue in, that you're still in without being released from it. That bondage, you see, it's the power of God that can release us. In Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 the Bible tells us this, Paul said, for I am not ashamed. This is the same guy that was locked away in prison there that we just read about in Acts. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. In other words, it don't matter what nationality, what country, where you come from. He says, I'm not ashamed. They've locked me up in prison for it before. They can continue to lock me up in prison, but it's the gospel that I'm, that I'm proclaiming that is the power of God unto salvation. It is the power that will save a soul to everyone that believes. It'll do that for them. It's hard for us. We, we try sometimes to make some some theological thing out of it. We've got to write a theological treatise in order to, to be able to just believe God. We talked this morning about the importance of truth from God and 
truth from us. Folks, if we can't believe everything, we can't believe anything. It really comes down to whether you're going to believe God or believe man. Has God, by his grace, brought the truth into your path, and yet you rejected it? You see, it's when you begin to seek. He says if you seek with all your heart, you'll find it. When you seek God's power for salvation, that power that God has to save you, that's when you're starting to go in the right path. That's when you're getting close. If you call upon God's salvation, oh, that's when you're really close. I mean, you get out there and you're seeking for him and it gets to that point that you start calling upon him. But when you believe in God's plan of salvation, that's when you're saved. You can seek. You can call upon him. But it's only in your heart when you genuinely believe it that the power of salvation is yours. God just wants you to believe him. It's the power of God that will release you from the control of Satan. You, you, sometimes we try to figure out how, how can God be such a nasty, evil God that he'll punish this and he'll punish that and he'll do this and he'll do that. Do we grasp and understand? That's not what God is about. God is about the greatest love that's ever been. God is about giving you everything that you need. It's about dying in your place. He's just saying, I've done it for you. Sin has to bring death. Sin separates from a righteous God. Everything right that you do is like a pile of filthy rags. All of sin that comes short of the glory of God, not from man's. We miss the mark. One sin separates from God, and the only thing that's left is death, life with him or death without him. Heaven and hell's not our reward, and it's not our punishment. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels, the Bible teaches us. Death and hell. Cast into the lake of fire. See, it's just where God's not. You can't begin to imagine. Because all the evil, all the bad, everything that you see about you is about a lack of God, not because of God. These guys, they were following God. <laughs> Some had a question if they were in the right place because they were bound away in a prison, but the power of God released them. The power of God will release you today from that burden that you're born under, from the bondage that Satan has on you. But not only is the power of God there to release, secondly, folks, the purpose of God is to redeem. His power will release you. But Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. You see, we were born under it. We were there. His power will release us from it. He says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Yes, you're born under the curse of the law. Yes, that's there. But Jesus, Jesus hung on that tree. He died up on that cross. He, the Bible says, redeemed you from the curse of the law. What does it mean to redeem something? The word literally means to recover ownership. <laughs> you know, you go down to the pawn shop and you put something in there. The only way that you're going to recover ownership of that is when you go down to redeem it, to buy it back. God created you. God wants you to have life. 
but you're born under this, 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 this burden of sin. You've been caught in this bondage of sin. God's purpose is to redeem you, not only to release you from it, but notice what he says here in our reading in verses 25 and 26. Wrong page. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were loosed. God set them free. God redeemed them. He says in Ephesians 5.19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Can we understand? Consequences don't matter. It doesn't matter what we seem. You see, Christ redeems us through his design and his desire. Man comes up with all kinds of religious ideas. This is what we need to do to be religious. This is what we need to do to, to have a relationship with God, and he, and he has it all. But you see, God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Get it out of your head. There is nothing you can do to redeem yourself from the sins in your life, from the curse that is upon you, from the law that has been broken. You cannot. You don't have enough to do it. But God commanded, showed his love towards you while you were a sinner. Christ went to the cross, and he paid that penalty for your sins because he died, he died for you. You see, his desires is for your redemption. He designed your redemption by putting Jesus Christ on that cross for you. He says in Luke eleven nine, 9, and I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He designed, we don't have to look to man's way to see who's got the best idea. God designed your redemption when he put Jesus Christ on the cross. He planned that. He did that. He desires, it's not his will that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. He says that if you'll come to him, asking him that he'll be there. It was through his design, through his desires. It was also through his decision and his determination. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever, whosoever, stick your name in there if you're whosoever, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Acts 4, 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no other name under heaven. You see, it's his decision. It's his decision that he wants you to be saved. It was his decision. You know, God sent Paul and Silas there for those ladies and for that Philippian jailer and for his house. God's brought the gospel into your life. He's the one that decided you, I promise you, you would never have gone looking for it of your own accord. If somebody didn't sow the seed, if somebody wasn't used of God to draw you to himself, you wouldn't even seek for it. It's his decision how. That how is only through Jesus Christ and him coming to you, and it's his determination as to when. 
Second Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's decision, God's determination for you. That's what he wants. You see, Jesus came to this earth so that we could be saved from Satan. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He suffered upon that cross to secure a position for you with God, with life, with life everlasting, to get rid of that sin that separated you from the one place that life exists. He suffered for you. He died for you so that your sin penalty, that you could be redeemed, that you could be bought back. You see, he didn't just release you from the sins and leave the penalty there. The power of God releases you from the burden and the bondage of sin. But then we find that it's God himself. The purpose that he has is to redeem you back, to regain ownership of you that sin has separated the power of God to release, the purpose of God to redeem. Folks, this is simple. The third one, the promise of God is to receive you. He promises. In verse 27, by reading in the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled. I mean, he looked around, man, his life had come to the end. There was nothing left for him. He was frightened. He was trembling. He was suicidal. He didn't want to face what this world was going to have for him. No hope whatsoever. <laughs> but then the next verse starts with but. <laughs> Here he is, sword out, ready to kill himself. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas, asking that simple question, what must I do to be saved? You see, the promise of God is to receive you. If we will ask to be saved, he will hear you. Jesus invites all that are burdened. John 14, 27, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 21, 12, he says, come and dine. We sing that hymn sometimes, come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine. Jesus wants you to come to his table. He wants you to come. Jesus calls. Matthew 3, 2, Jesus said, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change directions. Don't keep going the way you're going. Turn away from that sin and follow me. John 14, 6. I know it's a divisive verse sometimes, but you know why it's divisive? Because it divides the truth and the lie. It divides life. From death, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. Do you believe that today? He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. That's the only place it is. That's what it's all about. Death or life. God 
Or Satan, do you want his redemption or do you want to pay the price yourself, which will never be sufficient? I'm saying to you that the promise of God, God has promised to receive you, and he will, exceed, he will receive you, and he will receive you if you will accept the Son. You just have to call upon him for mercy, ask him to be saved, accepting that Jesus Christ as the one has paid the price for you. John 1.12, but as many as what? As received him. As many as received Jesus. He came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. John 5.24, verily, verily, I say unto you, Jesus said, he that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, God, hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. There's a way. Right now, Satan wants to keep you with the dead people. He wants to keep you with death forever. But God wants to give you life. Yes, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. A lot of good creeds have been written by good people. Creeds that tell all about what they believe in their Christian faith, but folks, it's not belief in any creed that will save you today. It's belief in Christ. Believing Christ. We have a statement of faith of this church that lays out the things that we believe, but you can believe that statement of faith, but it won't save you. The first step that we ask of any Christian is that they follow the Lord in believer's baptism. And you ought to. That ought to be the first step. You can't not even become a member of this church if you want to, if you haven't been baptized in believer's baptism, if you're not willing to take that step and identify yourself with Jesus Christ. How could you be a member of his body here on earth? No statement of faith. No baptism, deciding to do all the right things and do good things and live your life in the right way, following all the rites and rituals, and some, some rituals are good. We have them for symbolism, for what they mean, but none of them save. Belief in Jesus. He's the master. He's the Lord. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. You see, today, I'll leave you with this simple, simple truth. Christians, are you willing to serve God? Are you willing to go where God wants you to do? I mean, you can have the best laid plans in all the world. I'm asking you today, are you willing to serve God where he wants you? In the house you live in, in your neighborhood, on the place that you work, there on the job, in the church, does God want you to commit yourself to be a part of the... You know, <laughs> it's, it's quite amazing to me sometimes. By the way, I don't charge anything extra for this. Thanks to those that came along yesterday to help on the workday. A lot of people think the church just exists and always will, but nobody has to do anything about it. The church isn't this building. It can stand or fall or whatever. The church is a body of believers that are committed together. Today, 
Christians, are you willing to commit yourself? If this is where God wants you to serve, then how about making a commitment? How about joining? You know, we welcome everybody with as much love and open arms as we can to come through those doors, to come in here, to sit under the preaching, and we are thankful for that. But we want to see God build a body of people that will make a difference in this city, in this country, and around the world, and that takes commitment on somebody's part. These men, even though they had their life planned out, the path they were going to go down, God said, no, that's not where I want you. I want you over here. Why? Because there were people that needed to be saved there, and God was going to use them. If they didn't, they could have gone out there and they could have done all those good things in all those other places. And yet, Lydia, the damsel with the demon, the Philippian jailer and his household, they could have all spent an eternity in hell because there was nobody there to tell them God used them. But Christians, I'm challenging you today. You need to be where God wants you to be. You need to go where God wants you to go and quit worrying about the circumstances. I can't think of anybody that, well, I don't know. There might be somebody weird enough that would like to be locked up in bonds in a prison cell somewhere. But are you willing to go there and praise God and sing the praises? If that's where God wants to use you to make a difference in somebody else's life, are you willing? Are you willing to go wherever God wants you to go because that's what these men did. It wasn't them. It was the power of God that changed those lives. It was the power of the gospel that changed those lives. God uses his servants. Christians, I'm challenging you today. Don't just be a bystander. Don't just come along and hope everybody else takes care of everything. Be committed to the work of God where God wants you to be and be used of God. I can promise you this. I had to come to the point in my life and I wish that somehow I could even get that expression out of my head to share with people I knew with all my heart. When I left my public job, that if I spent the rest of my life preaching and preaching and preaching and if it kept one person out of the depths of hell one day, it was worth more than all this world could ever give me. How much is a soul worth to you, Christians? Where are you willing to go? Are you going to plan out your own path? Are you going to follow the path God's got for you because he's got somebody else out there? Not because of who you are, but because of the power of the gospel, the power of God. They need to be released from the bondage that they're in, the burden of sin that they're under, the bondage of Satan and sin that holds them. They need to be released from that. And it's the power of God that will do it. The purpose of God is to save their souls, to redeem them, to pay the price of the, their sins, to set them free and bring them back and make sure that all the penalties are paid for that so that they can be part of his family. And the promise of God is that he will save you if you'll believe, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody else can do that for you. I can't do it for you. It's not something you can whip up and make up. You either believe God's there, you believe God's communicated with us. And I give you this personal bit of my testimony that some of you had heard, but boy, I had to come to a place in my life 
When, oh, yes, I'd prayed a lot of prayers and I'd done a lot of things. But I had to come to a point in my life when I believed in my heart that what God said was what mattered. It wasn't my feelings. It wasn't the circumstances. It was what God said. I knew I'd done what God said. I knew I was a sinner. <laughs> I knew that I couldn't demand anything. I could only cry out for mercy, for forgiveness. But I believe with all my heart that the God that created me and put me here, he's the same one that came and died on a cross to redeem me back from that sin that was a part of my life. I knew that I'd called out upon him, believing that what Jesus Christ had done for me was what would save my soul, and there was nothing else. But I came to a point right then that I knew, and I mean this today, if it took anything more, I'll split hell wide open. Because it's all on him. It's believing him. It's crying out for his mercy, knowing that he loved me and he did what he could. I know to the world it seems too simple. They've got to come up with all the, the depth of the theological answers. But today, God says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Realize, commit yourself into his hands. Lost person, he'll save you. The promise is he will receive you. If you call upon him, he will hear you. He will hear your prayer today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Christians, I love you. And I don't say this because that I want to see some great work of God here that's credited to this preacher. If there's any work here, it'll be in spite of this preacher, not because of him. But I want you to be closer to God than you've ever been in your life. Every day that you can get a bit closer, not farther away, but closer to him. I want you to come to realize that what you do in this life, what really matters is what you do for him. I know there's lots and lots and lots of things that can fill our days and fill our lives. But it's what we do for him that's going to last for eternity. And yes, some of those things are practical things in this life, but I'm saying, folks, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Let that be the focus of your life. Are you willing as these men to go where God wants you to go, to let your life be directed because there's somebody out there that needs saved, just as Jesus must needs go through Samaria because there was a lady at that well that day. There were a lot of other paths to get where he was going, he had to go that way because there was somebody there that needed to be saved. Are you willing to let God direct your path? Do you need to make commitments to God today? Is this church where God wants you to serve or somewhere else? I promise you, he wants you to serve, and he wants you to be active serving him. He wants you to be a part of the upbuilding of his kingdom that souls could be saved. That takes commitment. Lost person, I love you. If I could do anything, you know, I wish I, could, I wish I could tell you how much that I would be willing to do to see you saved today. And yet, you know, there's nothing I can do except give you the truth. I've tried to do that this morning. I've tried to help you just understand. Oh, just like God, by his power, release those men from that prison they were held in. He'll release you today from the burden and bondage of sin. He will. God's purpose is for you to be redeemed, for your sins to be paid for. That's why he came and died for you. 
His promise is that He will receive you if you'll come. But you've got to believe in your heart. It's something that only you can do. Father, you know the hearts here this morning, and Lord, I wish, <laughs> I wish that, Lord, there was something, sometimes one of my great dreads when I come to the end of a service is that there are those that need Christ and somehow I've failed you in getting across the truth that they need to hear. But I pray by the power of your Spirit today that, Lord, you would speak to them in a way that I can't. Lord, that you would help them to understand the truths that no man can give to them. They come from you and you alone. Father, I pray. I pray that today that they could accept that promise that you promised them. That boy, if they'll believe on Jesus Christ, what he's done, who he is, they can be saved today. For every Christian, Lord, I thank you for every believer that's here, and I thank you for their love for you. And I, I just pray, Lord, that you would help them to realize the importance, even when they're good, not to lay their own plans and follow their own path, but to be directed by you to the people that you want to use them, Lord, to bring this power of the gospel into their lives. Lord, I pray that you would help us as a church, that even as a body, even as a group, that we would seek to follow your path, to be where you would have us to be, doing what you would have us to do. Lord, we're not here to please man. We're not here to do anything except to be your servants, to serve you. That's what you've left the church behind is to accomplish the work that you came and did yourself while you were here. We're seeking to save those lost souls. Help us today, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.